So go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles to Luke 11. Luke 11. So as you can see on your study sheets, I'm just looking at doing back to basics in prayer and its significant relevance. So it's just like anything else we're going through this. I'm going to pick out readers for the passages that we're going along. So be ready if I have you turn somewhere. I might not have everybody turn, but it might be offset some. So Luke 11:1, 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught, taught his disciples. So, so over the last several weeks and the last several months, really, um, it's been apparent to me, um, our class and really our church as a whole has had a lot of transition. And uh, between you know all the folks from GBC being sent out, a lot of folks that are in here now are newer, and a lot of you that are newer have been pretty consistent in, in coming uh, as well and getting involved in our events and getting involved in our ministry. And, uh, you know, and I, not to single you out, but I, I thank you for your boldness to be able to witness to your sister. That's it's not an easy feat. And, but it is something we need to do. We need to be evangelizing the lost. And part of evangelizing the lost is, is praying. You have to be praying for strength and for wisdom and for God to open those doors to, to have those conversations. You can't just force these doors open. you got to let God either open them or close them. And you pray about open or closed doors. Um, it's actually interesting, a co-worker, I'm way off of my notes already, so I'm just going to keep rolling with it. But, you know, praying in regards to having the boldness for witnessing, just for an example, a co-worker who I work with, he's a pretty rough character. Um, very interesting past, but he knows somebody here from our church. And it's a very, it's actually a very odd connection. Um, but we've conversed about that and he shared with me that the two of them were at a certain event and said event had alcohol at it well the person from our church thankfully had a good testimony they weren't there drinking my co-worker on the other hand he enjoys his sauce and was pretty drunk um, however the gentleman from our church decided to kick a door open and actually tried witnessing with my coworker while he was inebriated. So it's kind of a two-sided coin here. You, okay, he's willing to witness, he was bold to witness, but he's also kicking a door open for a guy that's drunk. And as him and I were talking about, he said, I just didn't want to hear it. He goes, honestly, it was a turnoff. He goes, I'm there, I'm there to have my fun. And I was like, okay, I understand that. So there's all kinds of you know mess in that situation, but it's one of those things as well. When you're praying for open doors and closed doors, pay attention to your scenarios and your situations that you're in when it comes to those. Like you said, you had a captive audience for two hours. You know, so you ebb and flow that conversation. You figure out how to work those conversation, those angles, but it takes prayer over that. 
and you know ultimately yeah the gentleman from our church was faithful to witness with them but was it the best time and the best opportunity no it wasn't did it actually find soft soil to land on no it didn't in fact you know like i said the conversation i had with my coworker, he was rather you know abrased by it so i'm not saying that my coworker was in the right for that i don't he's not at all i mean he's a, they're at a party and he's drinking so you know there's nothing nothing but sin and maliciousness going on there anyway so it's just something to keep in mind well that wasn't nice how in the world did i do that i must have tapped a bad part of the screen so anyway if i can get back on my notes here so what really spurred into doing this this lesson was was with what happened with walker because that was a realization that you know with, with how serious his condition was that you know us as a group as time has went on i feel that in our ministry prayer has been a rather forsaken aspect of of our ministry um so before a while back corporate prayer here on wednesday nights started at 6:30, and we always tried to encourage our high schoolers to go to those prayer meetings at 6:30. and typically one of us or a number of us leaders would try to go there as well so if any of the group wanted to pray with us as leaders or whatever you know they could do that and then uh over the course of time uh, that changed they put prayer meeting after the lesson time and initially our group had started going down there and just through some turn of events and lessons on Wednesday nights getting longer we as a group stopped going down to the corporate prayer meeting so now that now in a sense as a group when it comes to Wednesdays we don't even pray as a group anymore on Wednesday short of starting the lessons and ending the lessons so um to further that you know we've had we, we we as guys on the guy side of it we've tried to have get-togethers and gatherings we were trying to do it weekly or bi-weekly it was reignited back in the beginning of the year um, and we were you know, a number of us for what we could we were meeting on sundays um, to pray as, as a group of, of men young men and again that too has went by the wayside so uh you know aside from the personal you know the personal um implications that walker's situation had i felt that this was a significant shot across our bow from the lord to start taking prayer in this group a lot more seriously uh, at the end of the day prayer is the most it's the second most important piece of communication with the lord because it's direct i mean it's our hearts we're talking with him and the second is, is reading our bibles and knowing what what he's speaking to us through his word so i, I really feel that we've we've kind of dropped the ball on that and the lord's kind of saying hey you know you guys are faithful in a lot of different areas but this one this one needs some polishing that's just, just speaking openly i'm not saying that's what his thoughts are or whatever like it's some sort of weird charismatic thing it's not that so it's it's that's kind of how i see it with our group so that's kind of our that's kind of my long-winded introduction into into getting into this so 
the bottom line is we can't keep putting this key communication piece with our savior to the side as though it doesn't matter and it seems to be what's happening so you know we do have the one-off prayer request the group me's we put stuff out in the group me's and whatnot that's nice now i got a fly flying around me up here get out of here so the thing is and i'll be the first to raise my hand in here as a leader as a leader prayer has always been near and dear to my heart ever since i've been saved and i uh I've really kind of, you know, as a leader in here, I feel that I've dropped the ball on that personally to lead anything in here as well. So I need to change that on my own end. So <laughs> this could drive me nuts. It's like the one fly and it has to be in here. So bear with me here. So a while back, it was actually now three graduated classes ago, I did an anonymous survey. I don't know if it was on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. Um, and it was on prayer. And it was uh, the survey was basically taking a temperature of where people were at with their prayer lives and where they were at in their daily walks with the Lord. And I went back over that survey, and even though it's outdated now, again, it's three graduated classes since I, since I did that. One of the things that stood out, and again, with this transition that a class in our church has had, is that one of the biggest things was that people actually struggle with is they actually struggled with knowing how to pray. Or knowing what to pray so uh, even in the small group that we had at our home for for Walker here last was it last week or so um, and anybody that comes over and if we're gonna do uh, if we're gonna go around the room and we're gonna share share prayers I always ask if there's anybody in here that's not comfortable saying anything I don't want you to be awkward I don't want you to sit here and think that you have some obligation to speak and, and you don't know you don't know what to say you don't know how to say it or whatever I don't I don't want I don't ever want anybody to be uncomfortable but at the same time you know if, if you have a genuine desire to know to know your Lord better and to know your truth better and know the truth of God's word you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a desire to okay I need to learn how to pray I need to know what to pray what's this all about so really that's what this lesson is 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 more geared towards so if this seems a little too elementary for you in here you know i'm sorry but you know i'm praying that the lord will give you something to take away with it so if there is anybody in here struggling with that i don't want you to sit i don't want any you know nobody in here should make fun of you about that or knock you or give you any kind of static about it we should and again part of this is what i'm going to get into is we should be here to edify each other, to help each other out, and to grow each other, and not not cut anybody down. I know that with a lot of the guys, I razz them and I joke around with them, and I cut I cut on you guys a lot. And you guys give it back. Yeah, I'm looking at you, and you especially. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, and we get serious, we get serious, right, Benny? Yeah. We do. So when it comes to each other, and you guys as a peer group. Be, be in the business of edifying one another not cutting each other down like well they don't know how to do this they don't know how to do that and it's not even in that even if there's other aspects of them if they're not better somebody's not better at sports another person's better at, you guys are better at you know band and music and other stuff like that you know some are better at playing guitar and and and, and you know 
band stuff like this music you know appreciate the talents that people have compliment them on them and help the other ones out that struggle with those that's just kind of something that gets on my mind with our group not saying that that doesn't happen but it's i think we can do a better job of cultivating that so your introduction that is actually on your sheet not my long-windedness so aren't you glad we have access to our to our God through direct communication. And that's exactly what we have. We have a loving God who wants to have a relationship with us and it is up to us how we want that relationship to be. Thriving or on an as-needed basis or not at all. Nonetheless, His door, His door is always open and wants to listen to what is on our hearts and minds. This does not mean that He answers our prayers to our liking or to our exact request, but listens to the fact that there is something or some things or someone or someone, other people, in our life that He has been wanting us to give our attention to Him about. So giving that, so how do we deal with that attention? We go directly to Him. And it's, I love the fact that getting saved because growing up in a Catholic background, I never knew about that direct, that you could have that direct communication in prayer. It was always through the Catholic means of the prayer chain. So, so what is prayer? How do we define it? So again, I don't know how far we're gonna get into this lesson. We'll go as far as we can go for the time, and if anything, we'll pick it back up Wednesday. Webster's 1828 finds it in general is the act of asking for a favor and partially or particularly with earnestness so in worship a psalm addressed to the supreme being why 1828 addresses that but it does consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of god's glorious perfections confession of our sins supplication for mercy and forgiveness intercession for blessings on others and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to god for his mercies and benefits a prayer however may consist of a single petition and it may be extemporaneous written or printed that's a five dollar word so supplication just to define that that is a petition or an earnest request because you'll see throughout the bible where the word supplication is used and it's a necessity to find that as well because we'll see in philippians 4 5 through 6 so at its base prayer this is on your sheet prayer is a direct communication with god it's evidence of knowing God personally. So I cannot, I can't elaborate on this point enough as <laughs> unbelievable. I can't elaborate on this point enough as prayer is personal. This thing would drive me crazy. I don't get it. Why? I tell you, it's incredible. So again, it is the next most crucial necessity in your relationship with Christ, along with listening in your Bible and what God has to say. So, looking at, uh, did we read the song? Did we read 11.31 or 11? Uh, no. We didn't read it? We read Luke 11.1. Did we read Luke 11.1? All right, sorry. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. I got a lot of rust on the chain here. So... 
So Psalm 32 gets into it. So on your study sheet real quick, you're going to see your bullet points. So what exactly is it that we communicate to God? So you have adorations, you have confessions, you have thankfulness, and you have requests. And that's just to hit a few of the bullet points. So can I get... Let's see. Somebody go to Psalm 95.6, Dustin. I'm going to take Psalm 32 because we're going to dig into that. Somebody take 1 John 1.9. Jake. And let's see where else are we going to go here. We got Psalm 104, Jack. Philippians 4.6. Unless somebody wants to do it from memory. Jamie. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Benny. And what is our last one that I think I have in here? 1 Timothy 2.1. One more. Hannah. Okay. All right. I'm going to try not to be too choppy through this. So who has Psalm 95.6? Go for it. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So, adorations, this has to do with adorations, and this is having a humble heart of adoration. So the question is, do you adore, do you adore your Savior? Think about the things that you might adore in your life. What is something that you might adore in your life? Puppies. Who? Puppies. Puppies, okay. Puppies are very adorable, 100%. If you think cats are adorable, you're special. You can like your cats. What's that? Watch it. <laughs> hey, you got both. All right. The babies. Babies are adorable. So the question is, do you have a special adoration for, for your Savior, for Christ? Is there something personal you adore about Him in your personal relationship? So you have these adorations. You can pray about those. If there's something you adore about, so if there's something he did in your life, you can pray something out of adoration. Maybe you do that, maybe you don't. Maybe that's something new to you. All right, 1 John 1, nine. Somebody hit that. Who had that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's pretty self-explanatory in that verse. In Psalm 32, I'm going to try to dig into this as best as I can. So 32, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That is Psalm 32, 1. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the dry drought of summer, Selah. So, verses 1 through 4 is dealing with the weight of unconfessed sin and iniquity. If it weighs heavy on you, I know with me, if there's something that I'm struggling with in my flesh, it'll weigh heavy on me. And oftentimes it can stay unconfessed. So, verses 5 through 6, I acknowledged my sin. You acknowledge that. Okay, I got a problem. I've got a problem. I'm not going to the Lord about it. And mine iniquity have I not hid. God sees it. It's there. 
You're not going to hide anything from him. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. So the prayer of confession and acknowledgement of God's forgiveness. There is a gigantic relief when you recognize, I'm not dealing with this. You're not dealing with something that's going on in your heart. God knows it. You know it. He wants you to come to Him about it, but you won't do it. I've been there. But then you finally do it. And is it not a weight lifted off your shoulders? If you know Christ personally and you got saved, do you re do you, do you, can you actually tell the weight that's been lifted off of your shoulders? For me, getting saved later in life, I felt that weight come off of me. I know a lot of you guys have gotten saved when you were younger, so it's a little bit different. But at the same time, you shouldn't feel that pressure of sin, hell, and judgment, the condemnation that, that comes to, to those that are in the lost world. That should be missing. That should be a missing element from you. Just it's something that, that, that stands out to me when I think about salvation. When you get down to the core of what prayer is, you pray to get saved, and that's where this all starts. But it goes with everything else. Those iniquities, those transgressions, you finally give them up. So, 7 through 11, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way, in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. How far am I going with this one? Okay, all the way. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. To understand who you are. That's not who you are. You know, you're, you, you've got this freedom. You've got, he's telling you in, in, in this psalm, he's talking about his confidence that he now has. He's dealt with this transgression. He's dealt with this sin. He's prayed it out. He's reminded of who his God is. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. And thou shalt compass me about that enclosure of protection, about with songs of deliverance. Do you take comfort in that? Do you take peace in that? Have you gotten to a point in your relationship, in your prayers, and in your walk with the Lord where this is where you're at personally? You know that God's hand of comfort is upon you. You know that you're forgiven. The perfect illustration that I've ever heard from anybody is that oftentimes as Christians, we stay in the jail cell. We stay in this filthy, rotten, nasty jail cell with the door wide open and nobody blocking our way out, and we stay there. We don't get out where God wants us to go. And we stay in this little gloomy pit. And that's not at all where God wants us to be. It's exactly where Satan wants to be, and he is happy keeping us there, wallowing in our own mud and muck. Do you get to this point in your personal relationship with God where you know that you're forgiven, you know that He's protecting you, you know that He's taking care of you? <clears throat> Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. 
You're not wicked if you know Christ personally. But he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. That is where your heart attitude should be. This psalm lays it out. It is all encompassing when it comes to dealing with your confessions. I don't know if there's any other. I mean, there's you can go through all these psalms, and a lot of the themes are the same. I'm not minimizing that. But there's peace there. That's why I've spent a lot of time reading psalms, because you, you've got all these ebbs and flows in David's life that... He had enemies. People pursued him. He had his own personal issues. He had his own personal struggles. You can read through this and you can understand the personality of this man. This is a man after God's own heart and he struggled. He struggled. We struggle. We have more distractions and more garbage in our life than at any other time in history. I'm convinced of it. I mean, every era and every generation had their own distractions. There's no question about it. But we are inundated in self-gratification. It's anywhere and everywhere. All the time. It's a blessing and a curse. So confessions for that bullet point. Thankfulness. Who's got Psalm 104? Go for it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Philippians 4 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Alright. So you see the theme between the two? Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. Not the not the meal, not the event, whatever. It is it is giving thanks from your quit smacking that thing, it's gonna sound bad on the recording. It's giving thanks from your heart. It's having a, a heart of, of thankfulness, and you're giving that back to God. You're giving that out. That should also be shown in your personality that you just, it's something that you're going to wear outwardly is that, that thanksgiving, that charitableness that's encompassing with it. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Interesting. Ever wonder what the will of God is for your life? Read it out in the Bible. God's will. God's will. This is God's will. Hmm. I wonder what God's will is. It's right there. That's part of it. It's just one little nugget. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is, th it is thankfulness. He wants thankfulness out of you. Again, if you're in this relationship with Him, that's going to be getting cultivated. You're going to ask that God cultivates that. He's going to cultivate that in you. Okay? Does it make sense? Are you guys all tracking? Am I losing anybody? You guys alright? Okay. So requests. <laughs> this can be an interesting one. Alright, so we already covered one. Yeah, Philippians 4, 6. That was already, we already had that read. So 1 Timothy 2, 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. So all these things, we can lift all these things up to the Lord. And again, the same thing, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let, you, let your requests be made known unto God. He wants us to converse with Him. If we're not conversing with Him, He's not the problem. It's pretty simple. 
we're the problem. We're the ones with the, the door. Again, the door's open any time with our Savior. We can go before Him at any given time with any given request. And <laughs> it's bad. I've got prayer journals going back into my high school years, and I was not saved until my uh, nearly my mid-20s. And I've <clears throat> I ended up opening those up some time ago, and I read them, and I'm just like, oh, the stuff I prayed for. Just worldly, lost garbage. And you go back and I read the prayer journals that I had after getting saved and after getting to know my Bible and getting discipled and things like that. And they, I see where that all changed. And yeah, you can make your requests being made known unto God, but the question is, what are you praying for? We're going to get into that here in the next session. Next section, depending on how far we get here. Uh, let's see. Where are you guys at on your study sheets? We're not off the first page yet, are we? We're about toward the bottom. Okay. So again, note that Thanksgiving is your thing. The other thing with your blanks, you're going to see a, a, a similar pattern as well. So supplications as earnest requests that we need are communicating with humble, peaceable hearts. So this whole heart attitude, we can approach the throne of God humbly and peaceably. Can we go to Him from frustration? Yeah, we should be. You know, instead of going to our friends or going to our parents or barking in this thing, just pray about it. You need to pray these things out sometimes. I'm guilty of not doing that. There's a family matter right now that I'm kind of irritated about as we speak. Um, I don't know how that's going to resolve itself. I don't know if it will or not. Who knows, but you know, it's something I need to be praying about. And I realized, am I really praying about this? And I really don't know if I have. I've just been kind of frustrated with it. So you know what I'm talking about. And I'm just going to leave that off the record here because you guys, you guys will be bored to know about it. So, this is where I get ahead of myself. I say my notes without even realizing that I'm not looking at my sheet. So, going to the Lord in frustration and being upset, those are probably times when you should approach Him. And keeping in mind the verses in Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's Ephesians 4.26. I don't think I have it in your notes if you want to write it down. We have this and other verses to help us with our heart attitudes. This all has to do with your heart attitude and your approaching, approaching the throne of God. So, prayer... On your sheet, prayer demonstrates our need for God, our need for God. Revelation 3.17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, I knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And the lost world in this Laodicean age can read that verse and go, I'm none of those things. And they will just thumb they will, they will just turn their, their head in the face of God about these things. The, the, that's what I'm saying. And, and just the, whatever, the 43 years that I've been on this earth and the 20 some as an adult, uh, the, the, the heart attitude of lost folks has changed so much. I cannot believe it. You guys don't realize it because this is kind of your normal that you're growing up. I got 20 years on you guys. But this lost world is out of its mind. Mm -hmm. 
it's I mean it's far out of its mind. It's further crazy than when it even was in the '90s when I was in when I was your guys and when I was in high school in the late '90s and I graduated in '97. It, it's off the chain. The whole not to get into the whole transgender identity thing and the mindset. It's a mindset. It's an emotion. I'm thinking I'm this way. It's confusion. Our God is not the author of confusion. This is not a genetic issue. There is something far deeper going on with these folks. And on top of that, we need to love them. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. Jesus Christ came to, say, to, came to seek and to save that which was lost. These folks are lost. They're confused. They need help. But it's this is where we're at. We're off the chain with what people thought. I feel this way, so I'm going to be this way. I think I'm this way, so I'm going to go that way. It's nuts. And that's where we're at. We need God. You read this verse, it should speak out to you and be like, yes, I am all these things. Even the poor in America are rich. We have instant gratification on most things. Again, you got a phone, you've got instant gratification. You know, you guys look for books on, on a computer. We had the Dewey Decimal System. We had to go open up those card drawers. Now, now people have Dewey Decimal card holders to keep their nuts and bolts and tools and junk in. So if people get them from the library, they're, hey, this is a great organizer. Yeah, they used to organize your books. Not anymore. Everything's on a computer. It's instant gratification. Anything you want to look up, anything good or bad, it's all there. And it's all historical for you guys. You guys will never know. You'll never know what it's like to go to the grocery store, to go to a friend's, to go to an event, to go on vacation, and you don't have a phone. You have no access to jack crap. Nothing. You're gone. You tell your friends, hey, I'm not going to be home for a week. They don't come to your house. They don't show up. And that was the only way that you communicated. If you wanted to know somebody was home, you called them on the phone. And if the phone never answered, you hung it up because you didn't have an answering machine. And then, man, we had answering machines come up in our generation. Wow. So you left them a message. You know, and then they, they, they called you back. And then you weren't home. So they left you a message. And then you had this phone tag thing. And then you had caller ID. You see what I'm saying? These are all innovations. I mean, all this stuff came up so quick. And now you look back on it and go, that would drive me crazy. But to us, it was normal. You looked forward to getting home and you'd be outside. You hear, you try to unlock your door. You hear your phone ringing. You couldn't unlock your door fast enough to get in the door and answer the phone. That, that, was, how, that was how we grew up. And, and honestly, I miss that. Because now it's... Any, any, anything and everything is right at your fingertips. We're going to try to get to the end of the page here, and then we'll shut it down. So the question is, are you really distracted by what this Laodicean world offers? Or does it cause you to realize your need for God and ultimately take advantage of the most easy and precious lifeline we have to pray? Not only do you have the easiest lifeline to pray, and that's just calling out to Him, if you want to know what a definition is, I mean, we just recently went through how to study your Bible. You got your Webster's 1828. You got your concordance on Blue Letter Bible. Blue Letter Bible is probably one of the most amazing tools that's out there. You can, st you can study yourself sick 
if you really wanted to dedicate the time. There is no excuse and no reason for the, the God's used this technology. The question is, are we using it for His glory? Or are we using it fulfilling our lusts? <laughs> I can say what I'm, what I'm guilty of with it. I definitely don't spend the amount of time that I need to. All right, let's try to knock this out. Uh, I need a... Uh, We'll do a quick readers for, uh, I need uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. Benny. Come on, somebody new. Somebody, somebody volunteer up here. And then uh, I also need somebody for uh, Mark 10, 13 through 16. You don't count. Gracie, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Slam the door on you. It's locked? You got a key. Oh my goodness. This guy, head of security, doesn't have a key for the door. Hi, Andy. Sorry, one of the uh, teachers didn't show up. I got stuck with little ones. Huh, that's nice. For real. Sacrificial service. Hi. Uh, Hi. Oh. So, what is the heartbeat of prayer? What what makes what makes it personal? The heartbeat of prayer is childlike faith that is on your sheet. Childlike faith. The actual form of communication is speaking plainly with him. No different if he, your mom, your dad, friend, sibling, or whoever is sitting in the room across from you. In fact, it is supposed to be even more intimate than that, and that's what we're going to get into with these verses. Uh, Matthew 18, go for it, whoever has it. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as, as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Okay, so you may say this has nothing to do with prayer when you look through it, but it has very much to do with the heart and the mindset of which you are approaching our God. Okay, you have these disciples who sitting around, they're blabbing about who's the greatest in the physical kingdom, okay, of heaven, which is, you got the physical kingdom of heaven, uh, which is mentioned here, that's the physical, then you got the, the kingdom of God, which is the spiritual, okay? So which, is, so which is what the passage references, so understand that. Were, were they talking about themselves, God himself, David, Abraham? I mean, the list can go on, you know, of who, the, who this greatest in heaven could have been. But when they decide to be like, oh, hey, why don't we, why don't we just ask Jesus? Surely he could tell us. Well, he does certainly tell them. He humbles them. And he puts it out there. And then he throws us out there. But, I mean, this conversation is no different than a bunch of friends sitting around talking. I mean, that's exactly what this is. 
So Jesus, knowing in their hearts, he throws a wet blanket on this conversation, and he teaches them and us a valuable understanding of the fact that our hearts need to become humble. I'm guessing this conversation was far from humble since Jesus sets the, chi- sets the child in the middle of them. Okay? He's got to bring a kid and he says, look, look at this child. This is the example I need you to see. There's probably between three and six years old, I guess, the, the age where children are subject to being the most humble. You're not that far removed from childhood. Were you more humble when you were younger? Were you a little more teachable? You're not as teachable as you once were, were you? And it was just a few short years ago. Okay? Children are subject to being the most humble, typically the most teachable, less set in their ways, and says to them, greatest in the kingdom of heaven are ones who are humbled, and children by default are easily humbled, honest, and will tell you like it is. So basically, this is also the age that they need their parents. There's a need for your heavenly father. There's a need. They need that parent. We need our heavenly father. We need this communication. That's why he humbles them and puts this out there exactly as, as he, as he sit, uh, states it. All right, Mark 10. Go ahead and read that. We'll finish this out. We'll shut it down. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and put his hands upon them, and blessed them. So the problem is, the older we get, the easier it can be, to lie, to put on a game face in certain situations or with certain people, and we just tend to complicate things more and more. In the days of curling up in your parents' laps, that adoration, that physical bond that you have with your parents, that tends to die off, right? That just turns into a casual hug here and there. I mean, do you sit on them? Do you sit on the couch and watch a movie with them anymore, and you're just kind of nuffled up against them? Now, the older you get, you kind of get a little more like that, you know. And it's amazing that God, it, God actually touches these kids, and He has to bring them into the middle of them again. And their heart, these disciples' heart, no, 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 keep them, keep them away from Him. And that's not at all what our Savior wants. I mean, He illustrates that completely and perfectly. They had, they needed to have humbled hearts. His disciples needed to have it. We need to have it. So these are simple reminders from Scripture as to where our heart attitudes need to be. It is necessary. It is a necessary low point when we as lost sinners pray for salvation. We pray for anything. It's a simple prayer with the heart from the mouth in Romans 10.9. It's the necessary heart attitude or humility when our pride has gotten the best of us and we need to pray that out. So again, you can reference the confessions bullet point. Where are we at on your guys' sheet? Because my notes are not anywhere near. Come blank, not blank. Which ones? Come blank, not blank. Hebrews 4.16. All right, so Hebrews 4.16. I'll look at one of your sheets uh, to reference the point. So we're going to stop there just because we're out of time. And we'll pick this back up Wednesday. Hopefully a number of you will be able to be, make it back Wednesday. I know some of you guys have band camp, and you ain't going to be here, so we'll miss you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> so uh, so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and pray.